0: all the afternoon you watch it when you're sick staying home from school it's called the price is right and most of these games involve uh, on the show involve guessing correct prices for household items cleaning supplies brushes that sort of things or holiday packages or uh, the big exciting one is a, a brand new car but one of the distinct games is called plinko and it's a chance-based game, where players have a round trip uh, chip that they they drop from the top of a board, and it it uh, falls down through little shoots, and they hope that it's going to land at the bottom on a high dollar prize, uh, named on the on the playing board. Now some stand at the top and and try to plan their their drop carefully to supposedly to maximize their chances to win. And all the same, whether they plan or don't plan, they can win something in this game only if they drop the chip. They don't get anything if they don't use it. And the point is that careful planning will not always ensure success. Sometimes what we have to do is do the best we can And not worry about the rest. Now in the parable of the sower, Jesus spoke of how seeds are planted but have different results because they fall on different types of soil. I imagine that a lot of you here have heard this parable before and come away probably focusing on the four types of soil with questions concerning what each type of soil represents about people hearing the gospel, or perhaps more likely, which soil am I? I think that's perhaps the most common response. But I think that we should step back because, because this parable is almost always, rightly so, designated not the parable of the soils, parable of the sower. If we look too much at the soil, well, we miss the parable's central point, namely the person distributing seeds, distributing life. Just like Plinko players cannot worry where their chi- chips will fall, but simply must drop them to win something, so too the gospel does not advance if we worry too long about where we put it. Gospel seeds must simply be thrown with prayer for successful growth. So our main point is that the church plants seeds of the gospel because God is the one who grows them into faith. The church plants seeds of the gospel because God grows them into faith. And we're going to reflect on that in three points. The parable of planting, the purpose of planting, and the power of planting. So let's think first about the parable of planting. And this point is, just accounts for what Jesus' parables do in his teaching. This is the point, this is the first parable he uses in Mark's gospel, and there's a shift here in his ministry. Mark's gospel is about the arrival of God's kingdom in Jesus Christ. All the way back in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, begin the book. Now, after John was, John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, Proclaiming the gospel of God. What's it about? And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So in his opening words, Jesus centers God's kingdom on well, believing the gospel. Several passages then in, in Mark 1-3 to record Jesus' miracles... To heal the sick and feed the hungry. And what that demonstrates is that Christ was bringing God's kingdom in his person and work. And God's kingdom contains no sickness or poverty. And Jesus makes that kingdom intrude into our age. And then we come to Mark 4. And here, Jesus begins using parables each one showing something about God's kingdom the first being this this parable at the sower uh, of the sower now why the question is why did Jesus begin using parables if you look at verses 10 and 11 i know this is a little bit out of order but yet it still helps us because we haven't worked through mark's gospel uh, subsequently together and when he was alone those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. And then Jesus quoted uh, Isaiah 6, 9-10 to support his point about he is preaching so that the people outside don't understand. And so the parables are about the secret of God's kingdom But this this secret is explicitly only for those who follow Christ. Sometimes we think Jesus used parables as illustrations to clarify his message. But overtly, he intended them to hide his message from those who won't listen to him. Why would Jesus want to hide or conceal the gospel message? Mark 3 records the story about that unforgivable sin. Religious leaders had recognized that Jesus did God's works. They said so, yet still accused him of working for the devil. They, so what they did was knowingly reject Jesus as God's son, even though they clearly saw him doing the Messiah's work. And in reaction to this specific hardness of their heart, Jesus began teaching in parables. Why? Because this way of concealing the message was a judgment against those who would refuse to accept him for who he is, although they knew who he was. And yet the parables also do serve as a help for those who follow him. They reveal the secret of God's kingdom that is hidden from those outside. So our parable then, that's just trying to account for what are these parables doing? What is our parable doing in Jesus' teaching ministry? Our parable descri- parable describes what happens when seed falls on four different types of soils. Since the seeds are the word of God and the different soils represent how people receive the word, well, in light of what we've considered in the context of Mark's gospel, it is hard to miss that the hard and rocky soil that cannot grow any seed are those religious leaders who had rejected him. So the parable of planting regards how Christ will not overlook outright rejection of the gospel, crucially highlighting how gospel seeds, this is really important, gospel seeds are never deficient in themselves if we don't believe, but our hardness and rockiness in our hearts is the deficiency if we reject its teaching. The gospel isn't deficient if we don't believe, we are deficient. That brings us to our second point the purpose of planting. Purpose of planting. And here we're just going to look at that parable itself, considering its meaning and then also how it, starting to consider how it helps us live for Christ. And the specific point for us today. Relates to the fact that this parable emphasizes the sower's work. The sower is the central figure in this story around whom everything else revolves. This parable is about Christ giving life, not about you. Structurally speaking, in verses one to nine, Jesus tells the story about the sower scattering seeds, and the seeds falling on various kinds of soil, which produce differing qualities of plants. Clearly, in verses 1 to 12, Jesus' disciples didn't understand his point, and he wanted them to understand the secret of God's kingdom. And so, in verses 13 to 20, he explained the parable and the different facets about what it means. Now, the sower's seed, the sower and his seed, are the focal points. Jointly, they are the focal point. Rightly, since, as verse 14 says, the seed represents God's word, the gospel message being distributed. So fundamentally, in this story, Describing the kingdom of God. Because right in Jesus' ministry, Mark 1 told us, the kingdom of God is arriving. The principal or main sower here is Christ himself. He is the king who came to plant the seeds of his kingdom. That it might grow. The focus is on Christ as this focus on Christ as the principal sower. Emphasizes actually what his kingdom is like even now, since his arrival in in our age of history, and by that I mean the whole time span since Jesus came in the flesh, in in our time period, God's kingdom builds by spreading the word. Right? Even still today, it's true, isn't it? That Christ is still scattering seed. Christ is still scattering seeds. Through the church's ministry. God's plan for his kingdom in our moment until Jesus returns is characterized throughout by seed scattering. In other words, we don't yet see the harvest. That's not our moment yet. Jesus came we- Sowing gospel seeds indifferently, not pausing in this parable, not pausing to see if people were ready for the message or prepping them for it, but proclaiming it. Simply, purely, straightforwardly. We emphasize Jesus as the principal sower, because as you might guess, there's a secondary sower. And namely, the church still has the task of sowing seeds under the principal sower's supervision and direction. Well, we we each do have our role to play in distributing seeds. Now, most Christians, I mean, I think really have the the simple role, the the primary responsibility they have of inviting friends and family to church where gospel seeds are being abundantly dropped in a properly functioning church, right? So, what what do you do? Well, you're, I guess, in a sense, gathering soil where seed is already being dropped. But some do feel confident, uh, feel able to speak directly about the gospel, spreading seeds yourselves. And that's great. Regardless which way that you might have to get gospel seeds to people, following Jesus' example, well, we shouldn't worry all that much about what kind of soil the people we meet might be. Because that's not really his concern here, is it? This passage's major thrust is the sower throwing seeds wherever. He's just going and throwing seeds And he really has no interest in what kind of soil it lands upon. The church, then, is meant to focus on scattering as many seeds, planting as many seeds as we can. This age is not the season where we see our labor's fruits. That's for another time. This is the age where we throw a lot of seed. Now, when I ministered uh, in Northern Ireland, we lived in a village that was part of a a very agricultural area. So the seasons, the weather, the environment, uh, all were conditions that came to the forefront because everyone there at least knew somebody whose livelihood depended on those factors. Farmers put massive efforts into preparation for sowing their, their seeds. And afterward, the wait to see how crops will fare is often long and hard, anticipating how fruitful their investments might be. No no matter what efforts go into planting, advanced efforts go into planting, waiting and hoping that their labors will prove fruitful is really part of the deal. It has to happen. Our era in regards to God's kingdom, now as laborers and planters, was like that. That's where we are. As we wait in the season when we do not yet see the fruit growing, manifesting, ready to be harvested. This is the season for planting, for sowing, not yet for gathering. And so this parable is less a summons for you to ask yourself what sort of soil you are and more a paradigm for the church to adopt. Our responsibility now is to follow the sower's example. We must distribute seeds, seeds of God's word, profusely and indiscriminately. We should be about the work of telling people the good news of Christ wherever and whenever we can. That is the season of God's kingdom in which we find ourselves. And so the purpose of planting is to get God's word in the ears of as many people as possible and to expose everyone to gospel truth regardless of Of how we think they might receive it. That might look like hard soil. Doesn't matter. Throw some seed there anyway. That brings us to our third point. The power of planting. The power of planting. And so, really just kind of to to get our bearings. The first thing we did was think about how Christ taught in parables. Because uh, he will not overlook a knowing rejection of who he is. And then we highlighted how this parable, this parable emphasizes the sower rather than the soils. The sower is our example in spreading gospel seeds indiscriminately. And now this point focuses on what happens when seeds get planted in people's lives. When we plant a seed, no matter what, no matter what their reaction is, and I think that that's a, a really important thing to keep in mind, however your friend, family member responds to what you say or what the pastor says when if you bring them here, well, putting that seed before them forces them to engage with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Note well in, in our passage how... The parable of the sower tells each of the four soils reacting, tells about each of these four soils reacting in a specific way to the same seed. But even when it reacts to prevent the seed from growing, nonetheless, the soil still has to deal with the seed. It still has to be confronted with the seed. And the same is true for us. No matter how a person responds, when we share the good news of Jesus Christ with them, they must interact with the gospel message about who Jesus is and what he's done. And notice how all the seeds in this parable do what they do by their own power. Other factors act upon the seeds at times, but each of them is growing by its own strength. Such it is with the gospel. The gospel is the powerful seed that can even turn dead soil into fertile fields. It has that ability in itself. And so the point of planting seeds. In other words, the point of telling someone about Christ is to confront them with the gospel, even with the sower himself, Jesus Christ. As Christians, hope to get the news about how Christ has come to rescue sinful people into the ears of as many people as we can. When a seed is planted, you don't even get to see what it's doing or how well it might be living when it's when it's buried in the soil, right? You can't view through the dirt to see the seed. We used to have some tomato plants. And even as uh, Sarah diligently checked them daily, uh, we waited a long time to see a crop. And the thing is, it's it's so often like that as we speak of Christ— with people whom we know. We hardly ever see instant results. And notice notice how, in, in our parable, how the sower seems to be dumping massive amounts of seeds on each plot of soil. And, and that is how the church must be with our friends and family. We, we keep planting new seeds in people's hearts, not discouraged by what we actually can't see. Christ is in front of people, and that is what matters. We can follow up and water those seeds with acts of service and answering questions, but at the end of the day, we need to do the same thing of repeating that same little seed, the message about Christ as the one who died to forgive our sin and rose from death to guarantee our everlasting life. So the power of planting is that no matter what, you confront people with Jesus Christ. The power of planting is that you confront people with Jesus Christ. The power to grow is in the gospel itself, tilling its own soil, bringing forth its own crop. Now, there are a few things I think we need to to consider together in light of of all that we've thought about in this parable and and the first thing is to note that well if we're going to continue this season of planting the church needs sufficient seeds both in kind and in amount the world around us is constantly planting other seeds about any and every sort of message that they want. But the only seed sufficient to spread God's kingdom is the gospel as explained in God's holy word. We need the right sort of seed, seed faithful to the message about Christ, as offered to us in the Scripture. We need the seed that comes to us from and about the true sower. But we also need a sufficient amount of seed. So we need a, a sufficient seed in kind, and we need a sufficient amount of seed. Meaning, we need to value having lots of Bible poured into us. The church cannot thrive on a minimal amount of scripture, but only on immense amounts of God's word read, preached, sung, and contemplated as we gather as God's people. And so we must learn to love God's word's sufficiency as containing that one message that is effective for salvation and the stream of life from which we must drink deeply. And we need to remember one more thing, one more thing: this passage summons us to focus on that sower whom we 've said is Jesus Christ. Too many people read this parable going away thinking about themselves, and even, even if they are a believer questioning, maybe i 've deceived myself in thinking. I'm good soil. Maybe I should worry that I'm one of these other soils. Maybe my root will wither and I will dry up. But the point, we have to keep coming back to the fact that the point is not for you to focus on a side aspect of this story, but the main aspect, namely the person who brings seed to you, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. This parable locks, ought to lock our attention on this central figure who comes to all sorts of people offering life and that life that sprouts into evident fruits. No one here, no one of you are beyond Christ's offer of life. No matter what you've done, no matter your past, no matter your background, no matter your culture, no matter whatever, You are not beyond the scope of the Lord Jesus Christ's offer of life to you. Each must simply ask yourself how you respond to that sower right now. Jesus Christ, the sower, is God's Son, the eternal second person of the Trinity, who assumed a human nature because we sinned against our Maker. We broke God's law, making ourselves worthy of death and liable to everlasting punishment. In response, out of His great love, God the Son came in our likeness so that He might pay our penalty and restore us to a right relationship with God. He died bearing our sin's curse. He rose from the grave as the victorious one who defeated death and so promises the same resurrection life to all who trust in Him. He stands in heaven now and forever so that as God the Father looks upon Christ His Son and and Christ's perfect righteousness, well, He accepts all who believe in the Son as His adopted sons righteous in Christ forgiven adopted accepted justified and so how do you respond to the sower the one who has come to sow life into dead hearts if your heart is hard to this message of salvation that God has provided in Jesus Christ, well, it means you are cold to the God of the universe and the message of his forgiveness that he would provide to you to give you life. Perhaps now is that moment when the seed dropped now would till your heart and you could consider Christ with new eyes, fleeing to him as your Savior. If your heart delights in the thought of this, of this sower, because you see him as the one who planted life in your heart, then let us renew our joy in the Lord Jesus, our Redeemer. Because Christ has come to sow the gospel, fittingly because he is the gospel, the one in whom we find all of our acceptance and forgiveness, and he gives himself for you and to you for life. Let's pray.